0: Hello and welcome to The Coaching Podcast, coaching for success in sport and business. Your host is Emma Doyle, the energy and high performance under pressure coach who is a world leader in unleashing human potential. Buckle up for this high octane session. Let them have it, coach. G'day everybody and welcome to The Coaching Podcast. My Absolute pleasure today to interview B Kim, who's an executive and life coach who supports working parents, founders, high potential leaders and executives, as well as companies like Google, DirecTV and the NFL to help their teams optimize their lives for work and home. And I know you've had over 15 years of experience in technology and client services across multiple industries. So I'm going to kick it off. Be welcome to the show. And do you prefer sweet or savory? What's your take? savory
1: 100% 100% all the way
0: all right in that case have you tried
1: the Australian spread of Vegemite I was anticipating you asking me this question I have tried it it's not a love or hate relationship it's truly one of the um I won't say no to it but I'll take I'll take a couple bites and then I'll call it a day (laughs) (laughs) fabulous well so B, can you tell me why do you coach oh okay why do I coach um one because I'm good at it, this is strength, right? I get into flow state when I when I start talking with a client. Um, so I'm good at it. And two, uh, I just did a presentation this morning on positive psychology, and one of the biggest things is are you living a life of purpose and greater service, right? That's a meaningful life. Are you leveraging your strengths to be able to provide impact and know that you're providing more uh, to the world out there? And so coaching is my way of being able to express that, right? Is to be able to marry my strengths to the challenges, know that I'm able to also have impact with the clients that I work with. Um, And I love it. I love coaching. I truly do. I, I started coaching seven years ago, but prior to that, every four years, there was this like existential crisis of, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? I'm only getting better at doing this thing that I don't love. Like, right. It just gets narrow and narrower and narrower. And it wasn't until I got my own coach that I realized, hey, what you do is pretty cool. Like I let's, let's investigate that. And, uh, I've been doing it full time ever since. And I love it. Mm, fantastic. So what would you say are the biggest
0: challenges of the clients who come to see you, what are they experiencing that would cause them to want to have coaching with you?
1: I think anyone who comes to coaching in general, and then I'll share a little bit more about me in particular, but in general is they're looking for some kind of change, right? That's, that's the impetus is I'm looking for a change. Either I want to up-level my skills or, you know, what I'm doing, whatever it is, they're looking for change. And, uh, Why people usually come to me is because oftentimes the change they're looking for is in their work, whether they want to be a better leader or they've gotten feedback that they need to be a better leader, or they've gotten feedback that they're a great leader and they just want to be even better, right? Like they just want to up-level. The difference here is that oftentimes people will come through the door of career and work and then, when we get and settle into the room of coaching, what we'll notice is oh, there's other things in your life that's impacting, right? We're not just our career. We know that. Um, maybe we know that academically or cognitively, but really unpacking in the coaching, wow, me showing up in who I am and these different identities and roles of my life really does impact my career and vice versa. And so, People are looking for change in their career, but then my holistic approach to coaching is we're addressing all aspects of your life because they're all connected. Thank you for sharing that. So B, I know
0: that you do a lot of values work with your clients. And so my question is, do your clients have a different set of values for their career versus their personal life? And what are some of the things that you're seeing if those values are in conflict?
1: Yeah. So we usually start with the career values just to see like, what exactly are you trying to solve for? Are they being fulfilled again, as a forcing function, if you're prioritizing them draw a line. And the line in that list represents everything above it is my non-negotiable hard requirements. Anything below it is negotiable. Um, And then I have them assess, right? Okay, where is some of that feeling of change or needing change or maybe a sense of discontentment or a sense of whatever, You right? Uh, assess your current role and your job and your position and feedback you receive to these non-negotiable prioritize are they being met right it could be a a pure yes no or it could be a on a gradation but right are they being met oftentimes what we'll see is that if you're feeling truly at a hard uh impasse or a conflict it's because half of them are being met and half of them are not being met, right? There's usually no all or nothing. If it was all or nothing and, you know, the building was on fire, you would have left yesterday, right? You wouldn't be here saying, I don't know what to do or how do I up level or, you know, how do I make my team satisfied? Whatever the question might be. Um, Once we do that exercise, then I ask them about the, how does career fit into that overall slice and wheel of life for you, right? What does that look like? Not in the value sense, but, you know, be right now, it's it's really important. I'm ready and fully energized to put all into my career or right now careers taking a backseat because you know, uh, I'm pregnant right now or right, whatever it might be. So also getting a sense of where does career actually fall for you in the bigger picture of life? Because then we can talk about life values. Then we can get a better contextual picture of how do your career values, how does your career in general fit into that bigger holistic uh, value of your life, yeah. um, values of your life? Does, does that yeah. help answer your question?
0: Yeah. yeah, it does. And I love something that you said off air earlier around
1: we have different
0: values for different times in our lives. I think that that was a really good point that you made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. And do you find that these days with the hybrid world, are people just bringing all of their problems to work? And do you think that's appropriate?
1: I don't think people are bringing all their problems to work. Where that line is, is changing and blurred. I definitely see an evolution of how comfortable people can feel bringing like their whole selves to work and or how as people leaders, people leaders are encouraging their teams to bring more of themselves to work. We know there's a lot of research that supports when you feel like you have relationships and connections, right? It doesn't have to be your work bestie, but right? What then you feel more engaged at work. You feel, right, there's just a lot more, there's a lot of virtuous cycle that happens when you feel like you can bring yourself wholly to work. Um, So I am am someone on the side of like, try to bring more of yourself, right? But don't ever have the, what does Brene Brown say? The vulnerability hangover, right? Like don't share into the point where you're just like, oh my gosh. I can't believe I just shared that with my colleague, Emma, you know, yesterday, and now I have to see her at work today, right? So you know yourself best. I trust people in that way, but um, I don't think everyone's bringing their whole selves to work. Um, I do highly encourage people to bring as much of their selves that they like to do, but it comes from a place of agency, a place of choice and empowerment, right? I get to choose, not I feel like I have to hide parts of myself because I'm not accepted if I did bring all of myself. Yeah, to help that start. that's a that's a discernment there that I just want to distinguish.
0: Yeah, thank you again for for distinguishing that. And I think it is important that also as leaders, as managers, as coaches in the workplace that we are aware of those boundaries as well. Mm-hmm. Um and so which brings me to blockers I know that you are someone who really um, believes in recognizing and overcoming these internal narratives that we that we tell ourselves. So, what's the difference between an internal blocker and an external factor as it relates to being
1: able to unlock your personal and professional growth? So, when I usually work at the beginning of a client engagement, I just share with you transparently some of the logistics so that then I can get provide context for that. Um, oftentimes we, we all work within systems, right? So getting feedback around the client and understanding. Um, and then I also do an assessment with the client individually, right? So what are some of those internal narratives that you have? I actually love, um, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, Shiraz Shamin's saboteurs, positive intelligence saboteurs. Yes. yes. I always highly recommend if you want to take that assessment so that You as a client and me as a coach, we have common language to be able to say, ah, there's a people pleaser, very strong people pleaser, and you are a hyperachiever, right? You're placing your value of who you are, your worth based off of what you achieve, et cetera. That's usually the internal narrative. So we need to know what the internal narratives are. Same thing, when we get feedback from other people, we can also then start making connections. How are those internal narratives that you have how are they actually being interpreted by the people around you? How what what are the behaviors? How's that translating to behaviors or how you show up in different spaces or different conversations and relationships? The external factors are exactly that. What are some blockers? They can be actual people, <laughs> right? It could get a little bit political, bureaucratic. It could be the fact that B. I feel trapped in this in my life right now. Okay, well, what? Let's let's really understand what that feeling of is So there's obviously an internal piece to it, but there may be real factors like financial considerations, right? Uh, the job market, frankly, like I I have hit a ceiling and I need to find a new job, but I I can't, right? Like the market, right? So what are some things outside of yourself, both as people or feedback, but also how do they translate? as the internal narratives too. So those are the two different levels of blockers. And when I work with clients, I need to know what drives you. So those are the values that we've discussed. What blocks you both internally as well as externally so that in our metaphorical table, if we know what drives you, if we know what blocks you internally as well as the external considerations, then we can have a hyper you know, customized personalized plan uh, for growth and transformation.
0: Mm.
1: and Do you believe that the mind
0: and the body are intrinsically connected? Absolutely. So what are some of the ways that you explore uh, using body
1: and using movement to unlock some of these blockers? Yeah. So I'll give two examples. In terms of the body, what that often looks like is someone will say, I feel really scared or I feel really stuck right now, whatever they're bringing to the table and we'll slow it down in the coaching. Say, okay, where do you feel that? Like physically, where does that fear reside within you? Or where does that stuckness live? Oh, right now it feels like my chest is constricted and I feel it not at the bottom of my neck. I feel, you know, there may be different areas. And then to just be able to take notice and just a constantly taking note, okay, where is it now? How big is it, right? Let's get curious about it. Okay, and now let's also attribute it to the thought process. What is the actual talk track of this fear? Or what is this talk track of stuck? Okay now we were able to identify it's a knot in your stomach it's really big it feels like an anchor and it's drowning me and the talk you know narrative that's happening in my brain is saying it's- You'll never be able to get out of this just like you weren't able to get out or or whatever, right? Each person is individual. But once we can get the client to become more conscious of what's happening in the body, as well as tracking that with the thought process, then we can do something about it. Again, once you can name it and understand it, then we have more sense of agency and control of doing something about that. I'll just highlight one other, the question about how do you use movement? And with movement, I've noticed that if you physically move your positioning, right, sometimes I have high level executives, I'll be I'll say, let's get on the ground together right now. I'm going to do it with you. I do everything with you. Let's get on the ground and, you know, go into child's pose or get into, you know, oh, you sound, you feel like you want to t- do a tantrum. Let's do it. Like, let's physically embody that tantrum right now. What are you noticing? And oftentimes they'll be like, well, I feel silly, <laughs> right? Like, or, or whatever but just a physical change will bring in a different perspective too. And that helps shake, shake things up and using our body. Well, I just,
0: you're singing to my heart with those Mm -hmm. examples. Everything begins with (laughs) self-awareness. And I think with my background, being a sports coach turned corporate coach, the movement piece and where we feel it in the body and how much everything is, is linked especially at yes. a high-performance sports level, it's amazing how many times that crosses over into the business world. It's just they feel oh, the anxiety true. just as much as somebody who just played in in the Australian Open last week. So yeah. I just can't highlight that enough, shifting the physiology to help give a new perspective and naming things yes. with self-awareness, um, absolutely brilliant stuff. All right. so speaking of brilliant stuff in one to a maximum of three words, can you tell us what you think makes a great coach? And if you could provide an example
1: of each each quality, that would be amazing. I, I would say what makes a great coach is is definitely curiosity. It's about presence. And I'm going to throw an observation as well. Okay, so the first one, curiosity, I always say this to my clients, curiosity is my love language to my clients, right? It's really not just being curious like you would with a a friend, like, oh yeah, tell me all the juicy details, but from a coach's lens, right? Let's get to the root of things. I'm curious, what's important about this thing that you just shared? I'm not going to make assumptions here, like I might in an everyday conversation oh you just said that that's really cool okay well what makes it cool let's let's dig in oh we're un, uh, you're we're mining values we're understanding what motivators are for you just from this one little example of what happened this past weekend with you right so that's a curiosity tool um I think the second what presence I said presence you know we as coaches we cannot bring our clients any further or deeper than we've gone ourselves and I don't mean that in terms of like athletic ability or skills or, you know, we coach. I I have a, a client who's uh, an astronaut, uh, you, right? Like I'm, I'm never going to be an astronaut. This is something I don't do. But what I mean is our ability to open the doors of our house, right? That That we haven't opened in a really long time. The shadow work, like, are we willing to go there? Because we cannot be... Next to our clients when they go there, if we have we can't do it ourselves, right? If we haven't attended ourselves, and so I think presence lends to that a lot. Like being able to bring in our presence, create the space for our clients, let them know this is sacred. This space right now is sacred. Oh, I can now bring in everything. I can drop everything here. That's incredibly powerful. That's what makes a coaching conversation, coaching versus just a regular old conversation. And then the last one, observation, I I throw that in there because I think one of the things I do with my clients often is just, I just make observations. I'll use the word like, I notice, I notice, right? And it's just, again, coming from a place of curiosity and presence, but saying, you know, I noticed that when you just said that word, your voice shifted and your shoulders went down. What are you noticing? Oh, that opens doors, right? I'm not trying to make any assumptions on what it is. I'm just making observations. And that can be like, yeah, you know what? I'm realizing whatever, you know, I'm realizing that I am afraid about this thing or, Ooh, there's something heavier about this. Um, I even bring in observations about my own experience. I'll say, Oh, when you just said that, I noticed that there was, you know, a tightness in my chest that just happened, or oh, my shoulders just went up when I listened to you say that. Um, what what's happening for you, or what are you noticing? They're like, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling nervous. Uh, you you caught that right, or something of that nature. Again, observation I think is such a powerful gift that we can give to our clients, and really non judgmental observation, right? Just not saying, hey, you seem angry, but just like I notice that the tempo of your voice is, is you know increasing. What, what's happening for you? So how can a coach improve in reading the subtle cues? I always, uh, I tell my eight-year-old son, um, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes progress and practice makes permanent. Because uh, sometimes if you practice terribly, you know, I'm just like, ah, you're practicing it the wrong way. Um, so how, how do you get better? better on these things is it's just practice, right? It's being able to just spend some time thinking, oh, okay, I'm noticing what you're doing. Let me try to mirror some of these things. Let me just start getting comfortable asking too, because sometimes that's a big hump is like, B, I feel a little self-conscious when I ask these types of questions. The reality is, is that I've never had someone say that was a dumb question. Now maybe they might be thinking it, but right. But I've never had that pushback. People are always like, "Oh, yeah, that's I—that's an astute observation, right?" So I don't know if that answers your question, Emma. But it's it—it is the time practice of of practice.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's also when you have an opportunity to listen to other great coaches like i just love mm-hmm. that quick tip there just to pick up on your language around i notice or i wonder mm-hmm. or i'm curious it sort of takes away any judgment as well because you're you're yeah. you're removing assumptions as as you've mentioned a number of times and i think just coaches out there listening to improve in your questioning skills just starting the sentence with those three sentence starters will yeah. help you practice the skill of asking curious questions. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And on that note, if we could, if we could touch on AI for a moment, uh around a coach's curiosity is a superpower. You know, it's it's definitely the number of times you said curious in your language before i even asked yeah. our, our <laughs> holy grail question of coaching i can see that that it it's what makes you a great coach uh so our latest sponsor heyday.xyz or xyz for my australian listeners uh is a tool that i know that you use and i'm super excited to have them on board as a sponsor um what so could you share how you use heyday in your coaching
1: Yes, absolutely. So AI in general is either you have people who are super excited or just curious, using that word again, curious about and other people who are like, oh, no, this is the end of humanity. <laughs> I'm at the curious, I'm in the curious uh, bucket here. And um, so when I started using Heyday, it was one of those things where I'm like, i I'm going to hold this lightly and loosely. I'm not going to try to say it has to have these different outcomes or these different benefits or, you know, I'm dry. I'm just holding it loosely and seeing, huh, what will come of it? Will it improve my coaching? Will it benefit my clients? Uh, let's try it out. And after trying it out, I will say, one, there's two big things that are coming out for me. One, because it automatically takes smart notes based off of our conversations, coaching conversations, it alleviates my the pressure on me to be like, I've got to take immaculate notes. Uh my client must take immaculate notes. I need to remember everything that happened so that in our next session I can recall perfectly everything that right? Like, and it's smart notes too. So that is one thing that I just absolutely do appreciate. The second biggest thing is that is able to then collect data over the course of conversations with clients to say, here are certain themes that are coming up for you. Here's last week, you talked a lot about there was a lot of conversations about burnout, um, fears, and you know overcoming uh, adversity to be a the founder that you are. Whatever. Here's some potential writing prompts for you so that you can write blog posts or you can write a LinkedIn post or whatever based off of these things. And that information is yours, right? It's coming directly from the conversations you had, not some random internet uh, article somewhere else. And so I really appreciate that. And those are probably the two biggest use cases and benefits that I really appreciate about Heyday.
0: Yeah. So everyone, please go check it out, heyday.xyz forward slash coaches and see, just have, have an experience for yourself. As you said, hold it. Hold it with curiosity and yeah. uh, and see see where it takes you. But I can totally relate to that. I often sit down and think, okay, what what am I going to write about today? Whereas actually, if you if you take a bird's eye view, almost, yeah, we, we we're not always aware of the themes of when we coach. We're so in the moment and so present, That's right. picking up on all the other things that we love to do, which is coaching. All the subtleties you can let the outcome take care of itself so uh so thank you for sharing that so it it blends beautifully into one of our season 6 questions which is in the ever evolving coaching landscape what disruptive idea do you have that could impact the way we coach in 2030
1: okay so i'm answering this in real time because i'm like i don't i don't know if i know the answer to this question so twenty thirty is six years from now, Which is actually and not that far away, is it? <laughs> it's not that far. It's six years from now. So, um, I like to think about six years ago, and that was a year a year into my coaching. How has coaching shifted from six years ago? Now, change maybe ever exponential, and you know, maybe six years from now is actually a twelve year from what we've experienced. But when I think about how how coaching has shifted from uh 6 years ago to today and where it might go 6 years from now immediately the first thought is companies companies are really seeing the benefits of coaching right 6 years ago you were lucky if you had a, a company sponsored coach right you were lucky if you were Uh, even an executive, a C-suite executive to be sponsored by a coach. Now it's it's all, and I'm here based in the Silicon Silicon Valley, San Francisco Bay Area, but now it's almost par for the course, right? You're an executive, you will absolutely, or you're a founder, you've got budget to be able to have a coach. Even if you're an up and coming uh, manager or people leader, you have resources for coaching. So when I think about six years from now, gosh, what a blessing and gift would it be if it everyone has coaches, right? Like that this becomes um, a baseline. Like you are someone in the workforce or or frankly, just someone to have as a partner, as a thought partner, someone to bounce off ideas, someone who can be that neutral observer and just share it, right? Like what a gift. And so that is my optimistic desire and hope is that six years from now that access to coaching is universal, is prolific, um, I want to really highlight and uplift a wonderful organization called Coaching for Everyone, um, who uh, led by Vince McGuire, where really the goal of that organization is to get more Black and Brown BIPOC coaches into the industry. Really, just access to coaching for everyone. That that would be that's my hope and desire for mm-hmm. 2030. Fantastic, fantastic,
0: and finally. Can you touch on parents? I mean, r- just reminding you that our our listeners are both sports coaches as well as business coaches. So, how do you? You know, I know you've got two kids of of your own. How do you navigate that fine line between being a parent and what you know? What if you feel like with your kids, gee, you know, if only I could coach them on this one issue, you know, do, do you coach your kids and what advice have you got out there for parent coaches?
1: Sneak coaching never works for me. It's always, always backfires. Yes. Yes. Child, tell me what's important about that. And why you need to say yes to and no to, to make that happen. Um, If only it could work as well. But uh, I will say one thing, I wish I had something to show with you visually. I know we're on a podcast, but um, one thing that I do with my with my family, every January one, we do a values discussion. What are our family values? In what order? And how do we fulfill these values? What does it look like to to have a value of experience over things? Quantity and quality time, turning boring into fun. Like, right, what does that look like? How do we fulfill this as a family together? Um, that's, that's one piece for what we do with our family. Um, I forgot the second part of your question of <laughs> just I was talking. Yeah, no,
0: well, it was a stacked question, so apologies for that. But uh, just around parents out there who are also um attempting to coach their kids. what what advice have you got there? Don't do it or or what 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 are your thoughts around parents and coaching?
1: Yeah, so so always uh I think leveraging the same things that I just said what makes a great coach, right? Just coming from a place of curiosity and non-judgment. But, and it's hard. Can we right? Can I just fully acknowledge as a parent that's so hard especially when it comes to your kids because we're not unbiased with our kids right we are very much biased we are very much vested in making sure they have the right outcomes that we want them to have right unlike our relationship to our clients where we don't where we really let that go um and so but coming from a place of curiosity, coming and bringing your own presence, again, that helps with the neurosystems, right? Just to be able to like slow things down and to make observations. I would say that translates quite well. Um, but the but the biggest thing that I always share with my my founder clients and parent clients, and frankly, anyone, is we have to do the work first before we tell anyone else, whether it's our teams, our children, our significant others to do something. But we have to be able to do it ourselves, right? Um, and so the best thing you can do for your kids is to work, for your, work on yourself.
0: Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, B Kim, for being on the coaching podcast with curiosity, presence and observation, positive psychology, making sure our values are aligned with our purpose and uh, name our sabotage slow down and always be curious thank you so much for being on the show i appreciate you
1: likewise thanks so much emma
0: all right and thank you everyone for listening G'day fellow business coaches. I thought this would be an opportune time to let you know about our latest sponsor, heyday.xyz forward slash coaches. Now think about this product as an AI thought partner that turns your conversations and notes into quotes and ideas into posts. It is a game changer. If you're anything like me, you don't enjoy the paperwork, you prefer to be present during your coaching sessions rather than busily having to take notes. This really is the future of coaching efficiency. So please check out heyday.xyz forward slash coaches and enjoy your coaching.